Welcome to the Tools for Today's Farmers podcast, brought to you by the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. Our podcast will cover current issues in farming and will provide insight from a wide variety of experts in agriculture. Now let's get farm strong. Hello and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Rachel Dilhoff. And I'm your co-host, Abby Heidenreich. And today we are so excited to have Elise Koenig here with us. Elise is a farmer, writer, and photographer in Park County, Indiana, where she and her husband raise sheep and Christmas trees. They have plans to start an agritourism venture with her family's Clydesdale horses. Elise also serves as a video specialist and special projects manager for Hoosier Ag Today and Michigan Ag Today. In this position, she creates videos, writes stories for radio, and provides strategy for the network's digital products. Elise, you do just about everything, which is really exciting. I'm curious to hear more about how you manage your time and everything, but uh, in your own words, tell us a little bit more about yourself, how you got to where you're at today, and maybe what your uh, agricultural background is. Well, thanks so much for having me. One thing I forgot to mention on that introduction was I also host the Hat Soil Health podcast. I'm used to being on the other side of the microphone where I'm the one asking the questions. So this is a a fun experience for me to be on the other side of the microphone. The farm that my husband and I work on currently is the farm where I grew up. I was a 10-year 4-H member, longtime FFA member, and even had the opportunity to serve as a state FFA officer, uh, which was a great experience. And after that, went to Purdue for agricultural communications, then Penn State for grad school in agricultural and extension education. So extension was an option for a little while, and then I decided I wanted to go more the communications and writing route, so took a position as a communications director, but I really wanted to come home. I really missed the farm. I wanted to be back around the animals, and so I moved back home, became an agriculture teacher for a year, but even though I wanted to be home... I also had had this desire for years to travel internationally and not just take a short trip overseas, actually go and experience the culture of a place. And so I started researching and at first I was gonna go to Scotland, that's where my grandmother's from. So I grew up with that culture and the food and the music. That didn't work out. And I had a mentor from one of my jobs say, what about New Zealand? And I thought, nah, that's too crazy. But it was on one of my uh, lists of countries I wanted to go to because they have a ton of sheep down there. So I got a working holiday visa, which means I was able to work down there while I traveled. 2016, I flew down there in June. Um, I experienced one day of summer in Indiana and the next day I was in winter in New Zealand. But it wasn't like our winters. It was more tropical and fall-like, but then the next day was spring and the next day it would rain. And it was a very strange experience trying to get used to being in winter when I was gearing up for summer. And so I had a lot of culture shock to go through, not just with the weather, but in the way that people talked, even though it was English, there were still words that I couldn't understand. 
in the work culture, in the fast speed on the farm, driving on the left side of the road, there was a lot to get used to. And traveling around the country, being basically a migrant farm worker, I had a lot to get used to. I was there in New Zealand for a year, then traveled around some different countries for the next four months, uh, and then came back home and started farming and did some freelance writing work. Wow, that's awesome. So I came home from New Zealand. I did some freelancing and then started having some health issues that spanned over have spanned over the last five years. And so my work situation changed a lot, had a lot of doctor's appointments and medical tests to go through. And now I'm at the point where I'm more stable, working for Hoosier Ag today, working on the farm. And in the middle of all that medical stuff, I also got married at the beginning of the pandemic. Oh my goodness. Oh, when things were going super smooth. Oh my goodness. Right. What better time, right? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Um, I'm curious, the New Zealand trip, that sounds like a once in a lifetime thing. You made the comment about how you were the migrant worker in that situation. Can you explain a little bit more about how that made you feel or what you have taken back from that experience to home, to Indiana? Okay. As a migrant farm worker, so the interesting thing was was a lot of discussion here in the U.S. about what migrant farm working looked like. So from my position as a migrant farm worker, I took the jobs that nobody else wanted to take simply because I wanted to be in the country. Uh, I milked cows. I went around cutting down weeds. I did housekeeping in a tropical rainforest. And I don't think I would have been able to do housekeeping anywhere else, but I did it because I wanted to be in that specific place. They were jobs that Kiwis wouldn't have normally taken because they would have had their life experiences in a certain place. And maybe those jobs that I took were too remote for people who lived in New Zealand. For example, the housekeeping job, I was with people from 14 or 15 other countries, and we filled in jobs that the country needed just for the sake of us being there in the country. Some of the stressors that I experienced as a migrant farm worker was trying to arrive at a place and do the job immediately. Sometimes there wasn't an onboarding process. Sometimes you just got there and you needed to know what you were doing right away. I remember learning how to milk cows. And I'd had a friend up in northern Indiana who I'd visited her family's dairy farmer, tried to milk cows. And I was pretty shy about it. And one time the cup fell off and it scared me and I jumped back. And now I was trying to milk 1,600 cows in three hours. But the good thing is when you have that many cows, you got a lot of repetition. And so you be good at it. And so I was able to learn quickly, but there wasn't really anybody saying, okay, this is how you do this exact job. A lot of times you had to figure out what was going on. Looking back, I would have liked to know more about the workers' protections that were available there. Uh, there were some situations where I was thinking maybe I should have more protective gear with this job. 
And when I asked for it, I didn't get it. And so what were some of the protections that I had? What were some of the laws related to that that I could have asked about? Um, so just being more aware of what the migrant farm workers had available to us. Has that really changed your perspective being back in the U.S. on migrant workers? It really has. I think that, I think my experience down there has led me to have not just more compassion for people, but more of a sense of these jobs need doing. And like I'm back in the U.S. and I don't want to necessarily move out to California or Utah or or other states that need these jobs, but there are people who are willing to work in those jobs who are from other countries, giving them an opportunity, getting the right laws in place and the right workers protection would be really important. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, the protection uh, piece, do you think it's comparable from New Zealand to the U.S.? Or I guess my question is, where do you even go to find that information? As far as it being comparable, there were certain areas in which New Zealand was more um, strict on what needed to happen. They had health and safety laws where each week on the farm, you needed to have a meeting and identify the different hazards on the farm. That's one that I've kind of internalized and started saying, okay, are there certain hazards that are on our farm that we need to take a look at uh, more seriously and how much of a priority are they? Things like that. Sometimes the red tape was an obstacle for farmers there, but it did make me appreciate what the law was trying to do, especially in a position where I was just passing through there was one position I was only there for about a month. Just being there for such a short time, maybe I wouldn't have known exactly what the hazards were there. And if I ran into a hazard that I hadn't known about, then I would have been in trouble. So all of those regulations and the paperwork and things like that made me think about what uh, I need to look for on the farm. Well, definitely. I think, you know, especially as you look into opening your own agritourism venture, you know, that kind of mindset can really be helpful to you, not only for, um, you know, you, you and your worker safety, but also from, you know, potential customer or visitor safety as well. Yeah, that'll be huge. And you want to make sure that you balance what is safe for the customer uh, versus what are the risks? Because when you enter a farm, there are inherent risks. One farm I worked on in New Zealand had a paper that everybody signed that acknowledged this is what the risks are on the farm. And I understand that I am entering a working farm that has machinery and animals and things like that. So there's got to be that balance between knowing what the risks are, how to be safe, because you can't control everything. That's the main takeaway is you can't control what an animal's gonna do all the time, but you can set up certain fences that are better for that animal and better for the human to have an interaction with that animal. Absolutely, and there's so many things that are out of control with, with farming and agriculture. I think that's such a, an inherent 
maybe not inherent, but just this, this looming stressor that's out there is that, that uncontrollable factor of the weather, or, you know, like you said, you never know what an animal is going to do. You never know what potentially could happen. And, you know, it sounds like you've had a lot of experiences with things out of your control, with your health issues and other things as well. I think it's, it's really interesting to hear how you've even grabbed onto some of those challenges and made your own way. What are some of the ways that you have coped with that unknown factor in life or, you know, dealing with things out of your control? How do you handle that? That's a good question. I'll start with uh, back in 2019 when um, my husband and I were dating at the time. I started developing this issue with my vision where every so often it would be blurry. Sometimes uh, I would look at a person and I would see kind of an outline of a person right next to the real person. It was getting difficult to drive. I had trouble reading things on the computer screen. One time I stepped out of my house, which was kind of dim, into the bright August sunshine. I pitched forward off of my porch when I stepped down. It was like I didn't have a sense of where the ground was and where I was in space. And I nearly hit the truck. My husband had to grab me from uh, falling. And finally, at the end of August, we went to the ER for severe pain and blurred vision. And when I was there, I couldn't even point to the nurse's finger that was right in front of me. I saw it way out to the left. So the uh, doctor initially said, this is multiple sclerosis and transferred me up to another hospital where I could be under the care of a neurologist. And for six days, I was in the hospital without knowing if that was the actual diagnosis. And I had to wait another week, I think, after I got out of the hospital to see what that was. It wasn't MS, but we had to go to doctor's visits for four months straight, one to three visits each week, and most of them were an hour and a half away. Uh, So there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of waiting, and like you said, dealing with it is very difficult. Uh, You kind of have to stop yourself from going on the internet and researching all your symptoms because one symptom can be really a devastating disease, or it could be something absolutely benign. You, there's just so many symptoms that cross over. And so the waiting took a lot of faith, a lot of praying, and just relying on God that he knew what was going on and that he was going to get us through it. We also made sure that I was able to be on the farm. My husband was able to drive me around to all the appointments. And being out in nature really helped. I think that's something that's really special about agriculture and farming is that you are able to work with the soil and work with the land and find healing that way. For me, that was especially important to be able to get out on the farm and be around the sheep. There is, I love that you said that because that was really interesting to me when I first started with Extension, just the farm therapy. I know I've read studies that in Europe, that's a big thing or a bigger than 
here in the States. Uh, but it's fascinating to me. And it's so true. There's science backing up the importance of nature as therapy. Farmers have that luxury that they're, they're not only is it their profession, but then they can use that as therapy on the side. Um, so I'm glad that you bring that up. Some would argue, though, that that's not necessarily therapy. That's more stress because that's they're living and breathing that work. So what how did you, I guess, make that could be potential stressor of work and make that into therapy? What was your mindset around that? A lot of it had to do with my awesome support system from my husband. You know, he was my boyfriend at the time. He was there every step of the way. My mom and dad were there. Uh, my uncle helped out. And so it was compiling this support system around me. Compiling a support system around me was huge. And then there were some times where I had to say, I'm not able to do this and step back from it. There were a few months where I couldn't even lift a hay bale. And that was difficult. How, was, how, how difficult was that for you? Like growing up on a farm, I know I've grown up on a farm and having something prevent me from being able to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it would be just almost devastating. And I know for a lot of farmers who experience health issues, that's a huge obstacle to overcome. Did that really weigh on you? Like that you couldn't do something physically? Oh yeah. I mean, growing up, my mom would say, I'm never going to tell you, you can't because as soon as I do, you're going to find a way to do it. <laughs> and that was usually the case. If somebody told me you can't do this, then I proved them wrong. And Same way, girl. <laughs> <laughs> now not being able to, let's see, lift a hay bale. The, the major thing was being able to stand up when Let's see, 2019, I bought my first sheep in like a decade. Like I was getting back into the sheep business and I was so excited and I bought a bread ewe. And then when that lamb came, it was a couple of months after I'd been to the hospital and I picked the lamb up and posed for a picture. And then when I put her back down, I like my knees gave out and my husband had to grab me and take me to a chair so that I could just sit down and watch the lambs. And I found out that I had a lot of falls like that. Some at home, some in the barn, once at church. And I found out that it was because my ear doesn't connect right to my brain. And so I don't have a sense of where I am in space and time. Sometimes when I get, my system gets overwhelmed, I have to ask, where am I? Like, I forget where I am and I forget what we're doing. And so I've had to learn how to not be so overstimulated. I went to physical therapy in order to learn how to uh, work with my system instead of being overwhelmed with it. I have exercises that I do each morning so that I train my eyes to move quickly. Because if I move my head too quickly, then I get really dizzy and can't think. Uh, it's a type of migraine 
it doesn't come with the really bad headaches, but it comes with not being able to walk, right? That's hard to navigate that. And when you have all these other very physical things that you're doing, I know there's a lot of farmers out there too that are experiencing different medical uh, issues or, you know, have needs. You mentioned that some of your testing was an hour and a half away. How did you navigate that? Because again, there's a lot of people that live away from things and that's a lot of time away from the farm, time in the car, gas money, a lot of times no health insurance. How did you get yourself in that mindset to to realize this is what, this is going to be beneficial in the long run, might be hard now, but I'm going to do it. Having medical issues is a full-time job. I was fortunate that I was freelancing when I was having the physical issues because it did take so much time. I was really fortunate that my husband was freelancing at the time. And so we were able to spend all that time going to the doctor's appointments. It is really difficult to take time away from the farm. And the thing that I remember is it's going to take less time now than it will later when I end up in the hospital again because my issues are exacerbated or because I end up going to more doctor's appointments because we didn't figure out what the problem was the first time. It's kind of like uh, resting on Sundays when if you kept working, yeah, you might be able to get a little bit more done or make a little bit more money, but the toll it's going to take on your mind and body is going to be really difficult. And so that's what I think of is right now in the short term, it's really painful paying all that health insurance or paying directly, taking all that time away, but it's going to be less now than it will be later. I think that's really cool concept to kind of relate back to. It makes me think of conservation, makes me think of, you know, farmers are great stewards of the land and are often thinking in long-term situations for their ground and for their operation and for future generations. I think that's something that it seems so simple when you put it that way, when you're talking about doing something as simple as, you know, soil conservation or, you know, changing a farming practice to make things work well for the long run. But when you put that in terms of your own physical health, your own mental health, your own needs, it's so hard for farmers or people in agriculture to put themselves first in the present tense in order to create a better future down the road because they're always used to putting everyone else first. So I think that's such a a hard thing for people to do is to take the time now, like you said, um, to make that decision to say, I'm going to handle this now so that I don't have to deal with this as much later down the road. And those symptoms don't continue later in life. It's so important to have the capacity to make that decision. And that's awesome for you to have had the, you know, the wherewithal to to see that and have that perspective on life because so many people don't don't take the time to to do that they don't take the time to really get the help that they need when they need it most and then those symptoms come back later on and they're like hey i i 
I've already dealt with this. Why is this happening again? It's like, well, you didn't take care of it the first time. You know that we we see that all the time in farming, on the farm, in the field. If you don't take care of something, it's going to come back worse later on. You know, like weeds, like bugs, like literally everything we do. And I, it's just stuff like that really sits with me, and and it strikes me as kind of ironic that mental health and and taking care of our own physical health is one of the hardest things for farmers to do even though if you apply the same logic to any other situation they would make the right call (laughs) and having all of these health challenges has helped me see farming in a different way too in a couple of different areas you mentioned conservation and i see the management of a farm as a holistic system Sometimes we don't like the word holistic. It seems kind of out there, but really it's just looking at everything in concert and everything being connected. And part of the farm is people. We're part of it. Without us, there wouldn't be a farm. There wouldn't be a reason for a farm. There wouldn't be a reason to grow food. And so we've got to take ourselves into consideration too. If we're not taking care of ourselves, how are we going to take care of our animals? How are we going to take care of our machinery? If we're tired, we're going to miss a little piece of machinery that needed fixed. And then when we're out in the field, that becomes a bigger problem. One thing I really liked telling my students and a a phrase I really like is an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And if you're preventing things then you're going to have an easier time than if you're trying to cure things all the time, putting out fires all the time. That takes a big toll. So that's one thing I try to think about is how is the entire system connected together? We also have goats and llamas in with our sheep. We want to get chickens eventually, maybe cattle to graze in with everybody. But we're thinking about what's good for our land. And what we found is the sheep are really good for the hillside pastures. And then we're experiencing some parasite challenges on the farm. That's one of our major farm stressors is um, the small ruminant parasites. We had a lot of bad losses last summer. One of the losses was a sheep that had a genetic line I can't get back Uh, because it was from a farm dispersal. So I've only got one ewe left from that genetic line, and we're hoping she's going to be okay. So we are thinking about the chickens for parasite prevention to try to take that holistic view. And in some ways, it is less expensive than trying to constantly use a mechanical or chemical method, using what's there on the land and what's going to work best. Now, I'm not saying not to use chemicals or fertilizers or anything like that, but that's the method that we have found works for us. The other reason the health challenges have made me think more about farming and needing to strategize more in what I'm doing is because I do have these physical limitations. And that's even hard for me to say. I don't want to have any limitations. I want to be able to go, go, go but I can't. And so what I've had to think about is I know that I don't do very well in heat. And so I need to make sure I do my farm work in the summer, in the early morning, 
or in the late evening, and then I'm doing my computer work inside, I need to think about using an ATV to go to the back 40 rather than trying to walk back there. I need to always have my rescue inhaler with me. I need to have an EpiPen with me. I need to make sure I have all the medicines, all the water, all the snacks I need. Snacks are very important, I found out with migraine. You've got to be able to eat every two to three hours or else I get into brain fog. So that's one of the things I enjoy about having that health challenge is making sure I always have snacks. I'm the same way. And and my kids are definitely that way. Snacks are life. But uh, I, I think that you have, you've brought up so many points and you are so on top of that prevention piece, which is really hard to do, especially when you say you've been used to going go, 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 and that's what you want to do. But you've forced yourself to take that step back. You know, it's going to be beneficial in the long run. And I know a lot of people listening would feel the same way. I know hearing you say that I'm guilty in my own way. I'm sure Abby is too, where things that, that we say we'll do or whatever, you know, just taking that step back and prioritizing different things or coming up with that plan. So you brought a lot of really good points to the table, which I hope people listening can take away from and try to prioritize that prevention piece in their own lives. Thank you so much for for being a guest here today. And um, we want to thank Elise, but we also want to thank all of you for listening to the Tools for Today's Farmer podcast. If you'd like more information about the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team, you can go to our website, extension.purdue.edu slash farmstress, or you can find us on Facebook as the Purdue Extension Farm Stress Team. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest, or if you have a topic you would like to suggest for the Tools for Today's Farmers podcast, please leave a message on the Farm Stress Facebook page. We use the hashtag FarmStrong on our post to emphasize that the agricultural community is resilient and is strong enough to overcome anything that comes their way. Share your story of overcoming stress on social media using the hashtag FarmStrong. And thank you again. We're your hosts, Rachel Delhoff and Abby Heinreich.